Northwest Tech Daily podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Southwest Tech Daily podcast. I'm Fayaz Khan and my co-host is Robert Hillier. And this month we're talking about the support available to growing startups in the Southwest. So what's happened is Tech Southwest got a bunch of businesses together to help growing startups scale up. These growing startups were nominated for Tech Southwest Scale Up Ones to Watch by various clusters, sectors and science parks. And in June, on two different days in Exeter and also in Bristol, the Ones to Watch were given expert advice from leaders in the Southwest. Right, and on these two days of information sharing, companies like Microsoft, Program, Filmily and Bishop Fleming help the startups with tailored business support. There are a total of seven growth partners. The others, including the ones that Robert mentioned, are Scout Consulting, King and Ashford's. And basically, they just help with financial support, but also practical help, things like marketing and making sure the scale-ups are invest-ready and have the right talent to continue growing. And guess what? We spoke to three of the startups, including Dr. Jenny Bailey from Ferry X. We've got this idea, but we knew nothing about commercialization of research. We didn't even know where to start. We also spoke to Glenn George from Bay Photonics. They assemble and package things like microscopes, marine detectors and remote sensing lasers. There's a lot more acceptance within local governments and national governments these days that of the need for tech. But let's hear first from Richard Haynes from HCI Digital, who talked to Fiazza about how his company is empowering patients to be more involved in decision-making around their health. We started in long-term conditions. So things like rheumatoid arthritis, stroke, heart failure, hypertension, diabetes is where we started. Giving people information to help them manage that, but equally the tools to be able to to monitor their disease over time. But we've gone from there and we're now doing things like uh, day surgery, elective surgery, rehab programs, programs in the community like managing diabetic foot. So it's amazing how it's grown from originally long-term conditions to across a whole range of stuff. And we've currently got about 60 illnesses, diseases, and treatments that we're working in, all in the same tool in Connect Plus. And it could grow to 260, 360. It really doesn't matter. And how do people get to use Connect Plus? Where do they access this information? Connect Plus is an app, and you can get that from the App Store. That's just by searching Connect Plus. But actually how people come into contact with Connect Plus is that it is recommended by their healthcare professional, be that a doctor or a specialist nurse in their disease area or their GP. And what sorts of help is inside this app? So for example, let's say um, for me, right, I have Crohn's disease. If my doctor had suggested this to me, what would I see on the app that would be Uh, useful for me? Great question. Okay. So lots of education information is at the, the sort of core element of it. So that, and that will be delivered in text and video alongside. But it'll be about, you know, what is this disease? Um, how do I manage it? How do I deal with flares? Um, how do I manage and maintain a healthy lifestyle alongside? Those sorts of things. So really rich information to guide people. And equally, you may be taking some complex drugs like biologics or DMARDs, and there'll be information about 
living with those types of drugs, traveling with them. So there's that component, the education bit. Then there's other bits you can record and capture appointments and the meds you're taking so you can get reminders for both. And then you can also use it to record the progression of your symptoms. So it might be you want to keep a record of pain or swelling or equally alongside, you might want to keep a record of food diary or your experience of fatigue or um, sleep experience, all information that allows you to better manage and understand your disease because you can see it progressing over time but also have a more informed discussion with your healthcare team when you meet with them. And I suppose with, with all this information in the app, especially with the, the patient inputting this information, it actually is, it makes it quite difficult for doctors to ignore then because they, they're detailing their journey. Yeah, so often healthcare is about the tests you have done in a hospital or a GP surgery. But as you know, with something like Crohn's, actually the illness happens in the home in your daily life yeah. and that information the information that wrapped around that gets lost but if you've got patients capturing information throughout their you know daily weekly monthly experiences that makes it a much more rich conversation that you can have well with yourself but also with your healthcare team so that starts to shift quite markedly the nature of the relationship because you're if you've got Crohn's, you're you're an expert patient anyway. Mm. But what you're doing is bringing even more information to the table and bringing about a much more informed and beneficial discussion for, I think, for both doctor and patient. No, I agree, actually, because the other problem is when you have a, an illness that, that's long term is you kind of forget your symptoms. So, you know, let's say through the day you have fatigue in the morning and then suddenly you, you stop having fatigue at about maybe two all of a sudden you feel better because because you know it does come like that sometimes in peaks and troughs depending on on the situation that the fatigue could last a week but it could also last just two hours and so if you suddenly feel better you've forgotten that you felt terrible and then you don't go to the doctor you don't say oh my gosh every day at this time i have this terrible fatigue you just forget about it because you only think about when you're feeling good and it's only if someone else reminds you or if you have an app like this and you've inputted the data and then you look at it later going hang on a second there's a pattern here this happens quite often at this time and then you can assess why that is i think you're absolutely right because you, you described the fluctuations during the day if you're going to the doctor three months down the line you've got absolutely no chance of being able to recall what happened in a week, let alone within different hours of the day. But this way, you can actually illustrate that that change. And really interesting at the moment. So we report this information, if you agree to it, will be released to your hospital team remotely so they can see the disease progression. And we're, we're doing a pulmonary rehab program at the moment with a hospital. This talks to the, the issues in the NHS. They haven't got any physios left to do pulmonary rehab with their patients so the only way they can get pulmonary rehab is through connect plus but the patients collect data and what we're seeing is that the nurses on the other side looking at the dashboard that we're feeding through are able to see when patients are well either progressing in their rehab or actually experiencing problems and they can start to predict some of that much earlier in the cycle now, that really gets quite interesting um, using their judgment, but with information from the home and, like you say, in the moment. 
And how have doctors reacted to to this app and and its uses? The way um, our product gets traction, we, we originally thought it was transformation directors in the NHS would be the prime drivers of take up and adoption. But actually, it's the clinical teams um, who are particularly the ones that recommend it to others that um, that pick it up and go, yeah, I can see how this works. And and equally, not just doctors, but I think you you'll know with 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 Crohn's disease or the like it's it's the specialist nurses who have so much contact and connection with the patients it's them that see the difference and and equally it's about where they can focus their energies so they they have to spend a lot of time educating patients um Mm. but if you can do that through the app like when you when you've got rheumatoid arthritis and you've got you're taking on some of these really complex drugs you would have historically have to go in for a coaching session for a training session but we can deliver that through the app that saves an enormous amount of time which means those specialist nurses can focus on those in greatest need well that that would definitely make a huge difference and i think it's also amazing for patients because sometimes you do feel quite out of control with regards to your your treatment and your doctor says okay you've got to take this medication and unless you do like six to eight months of research you don't know whether that's the right thing for you um but you Mm. have to make that decision in the moment so i think having an app like this with all of the education on it is very useful especially because it's right there um i wonder where did you get the idea for it how did this all come about patients i guess we started in 2016 we started building video to help patients through pathway of care and we built and we have built the largest library of health and care video in the uk we've got over 950 videos for patients then a whole load for staff training as well but they were built with clinical teams based on their experiences and what they needed to do in terms of delivering information more effectively to patients but And we saw a difference. We saw patients experiencing less anxiety. We saw shorter appointments, fewer appointments. But we knew we could do better if we could deliver the information with greater precision. And we had a a really good, actually, rheumatoid arthritis team at a hospital, uh, Kirsten Mackay and Rian Penfold, who were really just got it, got the whole picture of educating patients and how we could support them. And we worked with them and their patient group to work out how we could deliver this information more effectively. And then the app came out of that. And I remember going to early sessions and you watch patients come in with multiple diseases, you know, not just the rheumatoid diseases, but with bits of paper with records of their their disease progression and notes of this and and all the rest. And what we recognised is that, one, we had to be able to give information Two, we had to help them capture information about their disease. But three, that they they didn't just have rheumatoid arthritis or gout or ankylizing spondylitis. They had that plus heart failure, plus chronic kidney disease, plus. And we had to find a tool that could or create a tool that could cover all those issues. So what is it? Nearly five million of us in the UK have four or more conditions. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a frightening number of people wrestling with really tricky range and mix of conditions and treatments and medicines. Mm. How do we support those people? And that and that's the same situation globally. It's not just a UK problem. It's a global problem. And that's only getting worse. More and more people with multimorbidity. 
But most tools are single condition. You know, you'll get something for IBS, but that's it very narrowly. But these people have more than one condition and therefore that's that's how we, we came, it came about. How would I get access to the app if I wanted it without having you recommended can, it? What would I do? Can, you can download it from, you can get an example from the app store by searching Connect Plus and you'll see a couple of hosp- example hospitals on there. Um, but it's reliant on us uh, it's reliant on your technically for the full service. Uh, it's reliant on your hospital or your um, health practice having signed up to use Connect Plus because they're the ones that license it from us. I see. Um, and we create the content individually for each hospital or health system. So it matches their own pathways of care how they want to do their treatment right and they they pay for it so it's free for the patient tell me more about your southwest involvement and and which locations here are are supporting this app across the southwest uh we're working firstly i think recognition to torbay and south devon nhs trust we've worked with them since 2016 they are they've been a real test bed and a real supporter Uh, And they've enabled us to not do this stuff in isolation, but to do it in conjunction with the market. So true market led, as it were, in that sense. So with their clinicians and their patients and their transformation teams. But we're also working with uh, Cornwall, Exeter, North Devon, uh, Bristol, um, Gloucestershire. I'm trying to think. So that's the trusts there. Um, So that's quite a lot of trusts um that's quite a good cover oh dorset of course mustn't forget them they're still southwest and then we're working with x university on um programs around research but also plymouth university particularly around data uh and bristol university in terms of their digital hub so the infrastructure in the southwest is not just the health system uh, it's also the university that links with it. And I think that um, business, health, university combined is a is a really key element in what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to do it in isolation. We're trying to do it as part of that wider academic, but practically applied health improvement. Amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Um so what's the next step for you guys? Where next for Connect Plus for HCI? So I guess what I've talked to you about is one app containing multiple health conditions, multiple treatments that we build and make available to multiple sites individually. Uh, we're growing to more and more sites across the UK, but we're also at the moment doing two things. One is a programs just starting out in Ireland. Um, which is good. And we've just now created uh, a version of the app for, for coronary heart disease for Poland in Polish. So one app, multiple health conditions, multiple treatments, multiple sites, and now multiple languages. And Poland's the beginning. And then we'll do more and more um, different countries doing different languages as well, because the issues that I'm talking about, multimorbidity, multiple treatment programs are global and uh that that's that's the plan poland is the first step so it's great to see quite exciting really 
Richard Haynes from HCI Digital. Come and join the conversation conversation. on LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Southwest Southwest Tech Tech Daily. Let's hear now from Dr. Jenny Bailey, whose company invented a pill that helps with gut issues. Around about 2009, myself and my co-founder had a, a chance conversation in the corridor about why don't probiotics work in people with chronic inflammation? And we, we, we came up with this idea that maybe we could do something about this and find something that would work during periods of active inflammation or, or stress. And I like to describe this as it was an unfunded side hustle for many years. It was something that we were both really curious about but didn't have the funding to do it, but we kept on working on it. And that's where the, the lead product that we've taken into Ferrex was born. So we set up Ferex in 2019 as a spin-out company from the University of Bristol to really sort of focus on these microbiome-based treatments for active gut inflammation. I'm going to ask you, if I may, uh, a layperson's question. So do forgive me. <laughs> Please do. Um, no. So there's obviously a lot of people working in this field, tablets and yogurts and, mm-hmm. good, and goodness knows what else marketed yeah. at these issues. How did you manage to find something that hadn't been found before? Very simply, it's because nobody's looked for it before. So um, we came up with this hypothesis that the reason why the conventional probiotics don't work in people who have active inflammation or are stressed, we came up with this idea that it's all down to iron. So if you have an actively inflamed gut, you've got loads of iron washing around in your gut. And iron's really good for us, but it has to be in the right places. And when it's washing around in your gut, it can be helping some of the more harmful bacteria to survive. In comparison to that, the species that are conventionally used as probiotics, things like lactobacilli and bifidobacteria, they can't use iron to grow. So when you've got lots of iron washing around in the gut, those probiotics can't survive. So we thought if we could find something that could use iron uh, as a nutrient, it can survive in that environment and it can have a beneficial effect. Um, so I actually have Crohn's disease and this is like a really interesting discussion to me. And one of the issues like, uh, so I used to be vegetarian for 10 years and yeah. then had to stop being vegetarian because I couldn't absorb anything Mm -hmm. at all um and now i eat now i eat meat because obviously it's just it's just quicker into my system and then it also means i don't Mm -hmm. like fall down every five minutes i don't stay in bed it's just a better quality of life but yeah if if you were someone who didn't want to eat meat and wanted to now be a vegetarian Mm -hmm. like in my case again um yeah would this work in lieu of that So I think it would need to be in combination with something else. And I think, again, it's the key thing here is the iron. If you're not able to absorb the iron from a vegetarian diet, then you need it in vast quantities as as you get in in by eating meat. We know that taking oral iron supplements can sort of exacerbate gut conditions. So sometimes that's not always very helpful. But we see this as a product that could be taken alongside those oral iron supplements that can reduce the uh, the unwanted side effects of taking the iron supplements. It can help to to keep your gut healthy whilst you're taking those supplements. And how long does it take for for this to work? What's what's the the treatment plan? 
Yeah, so it's, it's really interesting, actually, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're aware with the vast majority of, of treatments for things like inflammatory bowel disease, you generally have to take them for eight weeks and see how you get on. If it hasn't worked by that point, then you'll move on to something else. We've recently been conducting a trial of, of this product in people who have who have gut symptoms. And in, in, in these individuals, we see that almost 70% of people report feeling better within just two weeks of taking the product. So... As an academic, a working academic within the university and having access to, to the research methods that you do, what is, yes. the pro- what is the process from having a discussion with your colleague to actually <laughs> being able to make this work and think, you know what, we actually might have a, a commercial product in our hands here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, my colleague and co-founder, Dr. Tristan Cogan, is a microbiologist and he is an avid collector of bacteria. Anything that he thinks may be interesting at some point, he will stash and put in a freezer. So he has hundreds and hundreds of different isolates of bacteria to use. And we came up with sort of a blueprint. What would we like to see in a, in a new probiotic that could function in this environment? And then we went to his freezers and we pulled out his culture collection and we started screening with about 200 different isolates to identify anything that had sort of the suitable characteristics. First and foremost, we looked for things that could survive in an iron rich environment. And then we started looking at some in vitro tests, looking at how these things might behave in the gut. How might they impact on, on gut function? Might they reduce inflammation? We looked at safety as well then, you know, antimicrobial resistance and it is a huge problem. We didn't want to use anything that could potentially introduce antimicrobial resistance into a, into a gut microbiome community. So we took them through this screening process and we came out with a couple of strong candidates. We then put one of them through a, a model of colitis. It's a mouse model of colitis. And in that mouse model, we saw that this product was able to reduce clinical signs of disease. So it reduced uh, body weight loss and it reduced gastrointestinal bleeding, which are two of the key signs of, uh, two of the key symptoms of inflammatory bowel disease. And that was our eureka moment. That was when we thought, my goodness, this thing really works. So it performs in, in our lab tests and then we've put it into you know, a, a model system where we've got some fantastic data, data that's equivalent to that scene of uh, licensed inflammatory bowel disease drugs. So uh, back end of last year, we launched a food supplement product called Ferrocom, and that's available to buy from our website. So that product contains this uh, bacteria that's been through all these trials that's shown these beneficial effects. So yeah, anyone can go on there and buy it for themselves now. Um, you've had some quite significant funding. Deepbridge Capital have been quite mm-hmm. big investors, yes. haven't they? Um, yes. how, how, how easy did you find it to explain what you had to to people who, who, whose background obviously is not in the same field as yours? No, absolutely. And, and this has been one of the things. It's been the getting our messaging right. And I think it's bringing it home to that personal message. I mean, you, know, you see yourself, you suffer from Crohn's disease, but this is also suitable for people who have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Now, 15% of the global population suffer from irritable bowel syndrome. If you don't have it yourself, you'll know someone who does. So, so with a, with therefore that 15%, is there a market of a market of 1.5 billion, and obviously only going only going to grow? Um, how 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 do you think this may this may change that illness? for tens, hundreds of 
millions of people who've not had access to a to a drug like this before sure i mean what we're hoping is that this can improve quality of life we know for people who suffer from these type of conditions they can be really debilitating embarrassing conditions they might affect somebody's ability to work they might affect people uh, you know undertaking sort of you know the social things that they want to do you know they don't want to go out for dinner with their friends when they feel all you know feeling ill and, and bloated and in pain so we want to be able to give people the ability to live the life that they want to lead absolutely and i also wonder um just a little bit more technical just again i'm just asking because of myself um does it help with you know when when you have flare-ups you tend to also get mm -hmm. swelling and it's not just around the gut it's like fingers hands every, every your whole body starts yeah. swelling you just look like a massive chipmunk yeah. so the probiotic is the is the supplement that supplement contains this this live beneficial bacteria and it generally acts locally within the gut it doesn't tend to get outside of the gut but then it can improve gut function and so much of our whole body health is related to gut health now we're learning more and more about this all the time and i think if we improve our gut health then yes that can certainly have a knock-on impact on on the rest of our body. Jenny, so in 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 terms of the in terms of the location and in terms of the importance of the university and the other ecosystem that exists yeah. around Bristol, how how important has yeah. that been for you to be able to develop this product? It's been fantastic. I mean, this this research would still be sort of languishing in university labs had we not had the support of the university and then the wider networks within the Bristol area. So when we first thought we were onto something, we contacted our uh, research and enterprise development team within Bristol and said, you know, we've got this idea, but we knew nothing about commercialization of research. We didn't even know where to start. So, you know, we had that initial conversation with them and that led to us uh, getting our patents and eventually led to us setting up the, the spin-out company. Uh, you know, now now Ferrex is, is a company in its own right. We have access to the wider Bristol ecosystem. So with programmes such as Set Squared, we've had fantastic support through them as well. And the Southwest area, I think, is really thriving in building these peer-to-peer -peer networks of young startup companies all doing some really exciting cool stuff i get really excited whenever i go to one of these meetings and i hear about what everybody else is doing and where next for you guys what what do you see um in your future so first and foremost just increasing the sales of ferrocom getting that out to a wider range of people because we know when people find out about it they buy the product when they buy the product they like the product so it's getting it out there so that more people can have access to it Ultimately, we want to conduct clinical trials of this product in uh, people with inflammatory bowel disease. We'll be looking to start that within the next sort of three years. And that will then allow us access to going down that pharmaceutical route to getting this as a prescription medicine. That's Dr. Jenny Bailey, the CEO and co-founder of Ferrex. And after that interview, Robert actually ordered me some Ferrocalm, which I'm trying out at the moment. It's only day three so far, so a bit early to tell, but I will update bit harder to order anything from Glen George at Bay Photonics. Uh, very complicated process down there. They have a unique set of skills, don't they? Oh, a bit like Liam Neeson. He's the Liam Neeson of Photonics. Yeah, I think that's what his LinkedIn says. Uh, <laughs> as we said earlier, uh, Bay Photonics, they help put together Photonics for a wide variety of products for companies around the world. Bay Photonics are a wholly privately owned company. We're not owned by uh, any other major company. Therefore, we are fairly unique in being able to offer a open access to our 
specialized photonics manufacturing uh, uh, assembly and packaging facility. We work with a lot of academics and startups and uh, some major companies uh, around the globe who, um, for one reason or another, are unable to develop their new products themselves or internally. And so using our vast experience and uh, our great facility here in Paynton, we're able to provide that packaging service so that their new products can be manufactured more uh, efficiently and brought to uh, production readiness more quickly. So I went on your website to have a look at some of the things you do. And <laughs> I looked at I looked at a page that says services and capabilities. And then when you go through the equipment section, oh, my goodness, what is, <laughs> I don't even know what half the stuff is. Some of it is a bit scary, like helium bomb chamber. What? <laughs> and then the other some other things sound a bit like, I don't know what you might see in a hairdresser's like binder drying and heating chambers. First of all, I'll tell you what they are. I mean, the um... <laughs> The heater is basically an oven that is used for curing epoxies. Epoxies being the, the specialized glues that we use to attach things together. Um, the helium bomb is an interesting one. It's basically a pressurized chamber that we pressurize with helium to force helium into the package if it's leaking. So having completed a package, one of the key uh, aspects of uh, photonics devices in particular, but a lot of specialized microelectronics devices is that they need to be what is called hermetic, that is resistant to uh, moisture or oxygen or just general atmospheric conditions. So we seal the packages in a dry nitrogen or other specialized gas environment, sometimes in vacuum. Um, and then we have to test it to see if it actually is leaking and therefore can be guaranteed for the lifespan of the device, sometimes as much as 25 years guaranteed lifespan. So, Glenn, when a, when a company comes to you, do they say, Glenn, we think we need a Condor Sigma bond tester? Or do they come to you with a problem and you say, I think you need a Condor Sigma bond tester? <laughs> Yeah, uh, a mixture of both, actually. Some some people uh, will have an idea of what they think um, the uh, environmental conditions uh, and protection requirements would be for their device. And some people have no idea. They've only tested their theories out on a computer. They've never actually even built a device and tested it in the lab. And therefore, they'll come to us and say what it is they're making. We'll ask them where it's going to be used. Is it going into outer space? Is it going under the ocean? Is it a medical product? Is it going in a car uh, under, under the bonnet or anything like this? And from that, we'll be able to advise the packaging requirements of that device. Um, you mentioned a few industries there. Which would you say are some of the most exciting products that you've been working with? Well, they're all very exciting in their own way, of course. Um, I wouldn't like to upset any of our customers by picking a favourite. <laughs> but, uh, of course, uh, the really exciting stuff that we've really uh, taken a, a forefront in uh, in the UK in general, but certainly in the southwest, is... Uh, uh, quantum devices. Now, quantum devices uh, may be um, quantum detectors, uh, quantum uh, security devices, 
or even quantum computers. We've actually been making some uh, quantum computing uh, optical components here in Paynton. So there's a huge range of skills and talent then that you need at your company to be able to um, to work in that way. How do how do you, how do you find the people that you need with the the skills and expertise across such a wide range of um, of, of um, technology? Yes, absolutely, absolutely right. Um, we uh, are very lucky. Before I tell you where we get these people to to say that we actually have. Of our 27 employees, we have uh, five PhDs, uh, uh, doctorates in in physics or quantum sciences, a further five uh, with higher degree level uh, qualifications. So we have some very clever people working here that are able to, to uh, enable these technologies. What is unique, particularly about the Southwest, but uh, in particular Tor Bay, where we are based, is that... Uh, there's a great history of photonic packaging in the in the area. Around about the turn of the century, uh, sort of 1998 through to 2007, uh, there was uh, a number of huge global companies based in, in Paynton manufacturing telecoms fiber optic products. At one point, I was working at a company called Nortel, which employed over 6,500 people here in Paynton alone. So actually, we, as well as those very clever people, we also have some uh, equally clever but very experienced people who are well versed in uh, and have previously solved a lot of the problems that, that are coming along with uh, modern day packaging. Yeah, I remember Nortel. So, so when when people um, talk about uh, tech and the Bay Area, normally they'd be talking about San Francisco. What do you think it is? about um, Tor Bay and Paynton that's been able to develop this particular specialism? Back in the, in the late 50s, um, a, a number of companies decided that Tor Bay was the place to be. Um, they, they were moving their operations away from um, the London area because of their experiences with the war and um, they relocated here and therefore we've, we've grown on that um, uh, legacy, if you like, of high-tech business in the Bay. Um, one of the good things about uh, Tor Bay is not just, obviously, the um, and the, the wider Southwest is not just that it's got this legacy of high-tech businesses, but that high-tech business marries very well with the tourism industry for which the Southwest is very famous, of course, uh, in that it's nice clean business it it provides a good income uh which uh, keeps a lot of the infrastructure going even out of season for for the area um one of the things we talk about quite a lot on the podcast is trying to drive skills towards the southwest so that we can continue to do great things innovate create new technologies um and and service the whole of the uk and sometimes elsewhere as well how easy or difficult is it for you to get people to work for you in Torbay? Yeah, that's a really good question. We've, we've actually grown from uh, six people to 27 employees in the last three years uh, during the uh, you know, uh, pandemic and, and everything else that's, that's been um, affecting businesses, uh, particularly uh, in, in the UK in general. 
how do we get people to to come to Bay Photonics? Um, we we promote a really good uh, working atmosphere. People want to join us. Um, we've got a good reputation in the industry as a good fair employer. We offer uh, good terms and conditions, and uh, generally a nice place to work and uh, very very interesting um, work. Uh, Historically, it's always been very difficult to persuade people to uh, move from other parts of the country to Devon in particular, or South Devon in particular, because um, it's only seen as a tourist industry um, outside of outside of the region. But with the changes that have taken place more recently because of uh, the, the pandemic, of course, uh, more people are looking to actually uh, build their lives in uh, more friendly, uh, open uh, environment where they can get outdoors and uh, surf or paddleboard or uh, visit the moors and, and enjoy a, a good um, a good standard of living. As such a well-established business, how have you seen the tech industry in Devon and the wider southwest change? There's, there's a lot more acceptance uh, within local governments and national governments these days that of the need for, for tech and therefore um, it's, begin, it's been easier in the last 10 years or so to actually develop those businesses. Um, I think historically, you know, uh, I started working for Norto or STC as it was called then in 1982 and I think that uh, back then high tech industry wasn't really considered to be uh, anywhere near as important as it is now. So um, I think that it's it's uh, a more recognised and um, the value uh, a more recognised and valued um, uh, stream of business these days. So I think it's getting better. Glenn George from Bay Photonics, and that sadly is all we have time for today. Go and take a look at the Southwest Tech Daily website. There's a bunch of good stuff to read on there. Yep, contributors there from across the Southwest. Thank you for listening. And remember to subscribe to this Southwest Tech Daily podcast so you can get notifications every time there's a new episode. And get in touch on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. We are at SW Tech Daily. We would love to hear from you. Thanks Bye. again. Bye-bye. Southwest Tech Daily podcast with Robert Hillier and Fayaza Khan.